Welcome to the Must Love Self Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I'm your host. Every week, I get to interview a beautiful, courageous, strong woman who is willing to share her ugly and beautiful with the world. Must Love Self is a podcast, a movement, and a decision. It is about women lifting other women up, women holding each other women accountable, and women finding their way along this path. I hope you enjoy. La, 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 la. Okay, I've got Amanda Alonzo, aka Mandy Rose on here and she's going to introduce herself. Hi guys. Yes, thanks for having me on today. I'm Amanda. I'm like all over the place with my life to be completely honest with you, but I'm also Who isn't? Right? Especially right now, right? Everybody like jumped into everything. I have multiple things about me though. I am a sociologist. I got my sociology degree from Oregon State. So I am very involved in conversations and talking about anything that's like related to social issues, uh, social norms, gender norms. Um, A lot of people will call me a feminist. Yes, I claim that word, but I am not a man-hating feminist. I know there's multiple feminists out there, whichever one you are is fine, but I am not a man-hating feminist. (laughs) I love them. I want to clarify something. mm -hmm. I remember being in college and I had a course about women's studies. And Mm -hmm. the first day our professor said, are you a feminist? And at that time, I assumed that Mm -hmm. meant you don't like men. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I, I do like the door held open for me, but I also like to do my own thing. And mm-hmm. I kind of described like where I was and her goal was to kind of take our temperature and then give us all the information and then kind of answer that question again. Mm-hmm. I hope everyone's a feminist. If what it means is that women and men and regardless of your gender identification should be treated the same, that there's a place for everyone and no one is less or more. I have no issue with anything other than kindness and respect and I'm raising three boys that are feminist so Mm -hmm. if that is what you're talking about what are you talking about when you say feminist pretty much the same um very similar to that but like you said a lot of people especially before before feminist became a trend because let's be completely honest it's very trendy right now yeah um, that's because we that, had a horrible person in office and we're not going to mention his name but that's the reason why this is true. <laughs> <That's> true. Uh, <laughs> before that it had the negative well I don't even know if you want to call it negative or just but a negative undertone to it when people asked you that people thought the same thing like especially women like I like my doors open or you know I want them to open my car door still or I still you know would like a man to take me out treat me yes you could still be that and be a feminist I am definitely more of the type of there should be an equal pay field your gender has nothing to do with it. Like computer coding. What does that matter if you have a penis or a vagina? Let's be completely honest. Whatever the skill set is, there should be the higher skilled, the better person, you know, should either get the job, get the pay, whatever it is. But there shouldn't be a pay gap just because one is female and one is male. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. Why did you say yes to this conversation? I think coming on and sharing either my opinions or my story any of that I think would be good and for one growing but also you never know who you're gonna touch with your story that's even how I am on my podcast as long as my guests touch one person I feel like the mission's been accomplished like if that person left from that podcast with something that maybe just made their that day better that's what it's about I completely agree with you it's the reason why I ended up writing my memoir it's the reason why I do this podcast it's because I truly believe in my deepest part of myself that every single one of us has a story to share. And I'm very interested in people's stories. And I specifically am interested 
in women's stories because after I wrote my memoir, which is called Seconds and Inches, which I thought was about generational trauma and my story and all this stuff. And a woman pointed out to me, she's like, this is a love story. She said, Mm -hmm. no, it's between yourself. I used to hate myself and now I love myself. And it Mm -hmm. started off visually being about body stuff. Like, oh yeah, that's something a lot of women have a hard time with. But Mm -hmm. then I started digging and I'm like, it's so much more. It's about achievement and worth and our place and using our voice and where we belong and approval. And so mm-hmm. now I'm having all these women come on and we're sharing our stories and we are helping each other because I want us to stop judging each other and I want us to start lifting each other up. So I can't wait to get to know you. Awesome. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm going to ask you to rate yourself in these three categories. The rating is one to 10. One is that your inner voice or inner critic is not kind to you in this area. And 10 is I'm totally cool with how my brain talks to me about this, or I'm just okay in general in this area and wherever in between. Okay. What would you rate your own body image today? I'm going to put that as an eight. Has it ever been lower? Oh yeah. Definitely lower. I will say it would probably be about a good three years ago. For one, I was in like a very long-term relationship, a 10 plus year relationship. And towards the end, it got really bad. And when we did break up, I was definitely at like the most that I did not like where my body. So that was like one of the first things I worked on after the breakup. So do you think that you didn't like the way your body looked or do you think that it's also possible you didn't like like who you became in the relationship? Both. Yeah, it was definitely both um, because I've always been a very active like sports person. So the focus in that relationship was like 100% on my partner at the time. And it wasn't me and it was more helping him, making him happy, blah, 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 that I forgot about myself. I've been in the fashion industry before. And so I'm into fashion and I was getting to a point where I couldn't wear anything that I enjoyed because I didn't like how I look. When you end that relationship and you wrote on your form learning to love myself after a air quote failed engagement, which I, I love that because you and I both know there was no failure involved. I'm sure it was a massive blessing, whether you could see it now or not. Yeah. Now I can, that definitely took maybe a good solid year to see like everything at the beginning. I was just like, like I said, we were together, I think 11 years before we got engaged, we were engaged one year and then he called it off one year into the engagement. You have this whole image of what you thought your life was going to be. And then it was literally just wake up one day and it was like, I can't marry you. I was just like, oh my gosh, where am I going to go? Who's going to want me? I live in Southern California, which if you guys don't know, the rent is not easy being a single person. So I was like, I can't even afford to live on my own right now. Like, what is this? So it was a lot of learning to love myself again and to be myself. And the body image was definitely one of them, but I'm really happy actually where I am with myself now. It's so important that we discuss this part of the practicality of relationships because one of the hats I wear is a co-parenting coach. And Mm -hmm. so I work with women when they're going through the process of divorce. And I've got to tell you something I learned along the way, the hard way, was that women and finances, it tends to cause a lot of blockage between being able to choose a life that we want. I wish I would have had that message more clearly relayed to me when I was growing up that you need to have your own thing. You need to If you enter into a marriage or a partnership, you need to protect what you have, not because you're hoping it doesn't work out or you're worried, but just like you do with life insurance and car insurance, it's just be smart and have your own stuff. And all that felt so not romantic while planning a wedding. 
But at the same time, when 50% of marriages in America end in divorce, we keep thinking we're never going to be that person. And like you said, I didn't plan on my life going a certain way, Yeah, but it did. Today, I feel like I'm able to stand stronger and remind all of us that we need to have complete control over that area if we need to leave or something doesn't work out regardless. Or somebody even just right. passes away. Right. Or like they just, God forbid, yeah. right. Like life, life's going to mm-hmm. happen, right? Or COVID. And I think a lot of that goes to our worth and our voice. And for me as a woman, my body and my sexuality was so tied to needing that partnership for so long when I was younger that today, even though I'm in a very awesome, loving relationship, if God forbid something happened, I would be okay mm-hmm. on my own. And that used to be terrifying. Yeah, I can totally agree with you on that. Like how scary it was to just the basics of, honestly, this is very vulnerable right now, but having to sleep by yourself in the bed. Yeah. I slept next to somebody. For a decade. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're gone and you're just like, what? Yeah, it's exciting because right behind you, you have this beautiful art piece that obviously no one else can see. And it's all these stars in the universe. And I just had a guest that told me this quote from Steve Jobs, how you can't connect the dots until you look backwards to see them. You can't see them when you're in the middle of it. But we have to Mm -hmm. trust that when we look back, we're going to see how this all makes sense. Totally. And crazy thing is I just I'm about to be an author a book's coming out that I'm a co-author in I know Oh, I'm gonna ask you at the end to share that that'd be great the book it's called the boss latina anthology Uh, there's a bunch of us that are co-author everybody has like a little chapter in it but it's pretty much about you write about like a time that you kind of quote unquote level up I wrote about the time the breakup to you know that first year of trying to refine yourself and then like now where I'm at like two three years later So all that's coming out, but it was such a small chapter that I couldn't put in like so many details. I think I'm going to actually expand on it eventually and do my own little, honestly, I went through a divorce without the paper. It doesn't matter. You don't need to ever (laughs) again, justify it like that. You don't have to apologize or change or acknowledge anything other than this was your story and it's part Mm -hmm. of your life. And by you sharing it, it's going to help somebody else. So I'm excited for you. I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind if you could rate your own worth today. That's a, that's a deep question, girl. Mm-hmm. We get deep here. <laughs> Welcome. I feel like I want to put that as an eight two, and that only because I know there's still so much more I want to do. And I feel like if you've reached a level of perfection, like what the hell are you doing that you're so perfect? <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's like- reframe it. Let's, instead of saying it's perfection, let's say that you know you belong at the table. Mm-hmm. You know your voice should be heard. You know that you deserve to be in a loving, respectful, amazing relationship. You know that regardless of the situation you're in, you belong. That's what I mean by work. If you're going to say it that way, then I'm going to give myself a 10 then. Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't believe in perfection. I believe in knowing where we belong. I want to ask you if your worth was lower when you were going through the breakup. I would say so. Probably. I'm trying to remember like actually. Or when was your worth the lowest in your life? I would probably say it might've been around like the end of that relationship, just because I felt like, how do I say this? I felt like for one, I was like, who the heck is going to want to date me? Who am I now? Yeah. Who am I now? What do I have to offer? Like, you know, all these things. So it was definitely. mm -hmm. That's worth. There was a scene. I don't remember exactly what the words were, but I remember when I was in high school, I read A Raisin in the Sun. There was a scene where the woman is yelling at the man and she's, he won't marry. And she says, basically, get out of the way so everyone else can see me. She, 
she basically was like, if you don't want me, get out of my sight line because mm-hmm. you're blocking everybody else that can see me. And this idea, when I work with women, I always make them, and they hate me when I make them do this. When they're going through a breakup, I make them hit their knees, not in a religious way, just like in a like, surrender and mm-hmm. say, thank you to the universe. And they don't have to believe it or mean it, but they need to trust that the universe has taken this relationship away from them for a very specific reason. You know, what's crazy. And I quoted this in my book is when I had to email our event, cause we had all of our vendors, everything with posits, everything. When I had to email our venue vendor to tell her like, you know, sorry, I'm going to have to cancel the wedding, blah, 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 blah. I've met this lady only once in my life, talked to her maybe twice. And I'm sure she probably has a script for what she emails to brides when they tell her something like this, whether it was a script or not, it has stuck with me since that day. Her email said, you know, I'm so sorry you have to go through this. But then at the end, she she's like, I know you can't see it now, but the universe has bigger plans for you. Stuck with me. And like that's, I said, it probably was just a quote. Classy. She tells everyone. But it doesn't but, matter. I mean, yeah. that's classy. She didn't have to say that. No, she could have just been like, oh, sorry. And that's something that you would say to another woman as well, because you just never know. I want to ask you, lastly, what you would rate your voice today, your ability to use your voice to advocate for yourself. To advocate for myself. I am going to stick with the eight on that one, because I know there's a lot of work that I need to do with that. Which areas? I think speaking up or just using my voice in ways to make better change. And I had... I had like a Reiki healing done during COVID. She asked me like where I felt the most energy and I told her and she goes, okay, let me tell you what I felt. And I was like, okay. And she's like, your throat chakra is off the chain. And she's like, from what I know about you and what you post. And like I said, I met her through a friend. So she doesn't necessarily know me other than we had a one hour talk and that was it. She's like, you have a lot to say. And she's like, and not in the sense of you need to talk a lot because I'm not the biggest talker. I'm kind of an introvert. She's like, but what you have to say she's like, is going to move mountains. She's like, you need to learn to use your voice. So that's why I give myself an eight, just because I know I'm getting better at it, but I need to get even better at it. It's one of the most powerful and important things I think as women that we need to all support each other to do. And that's why I put it out to the universe that I want us to stop judging each other for doing it. Stop Mm -hmm. calling each other names when we see another woman doing it instead clap and say, Mm -hmm. you know, you go, we've got you because we are looked at in general, at least I have experienced it. And so have a lot of women I've talked to as bitchy or bossy or aggressive rather than confident and a leader and Mm -hmm. assertive. And I don't want those negative labels to stop us from speaking up when we have a lot to say. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. As you were saying that, if you think about because I was in the corporate industry for a very long time, even though it was a nonprofit, corporate nonprofit. Whenever a woman gets to a high position that might not be like the most liked by the world, you know what they say? They're either like, oh, she's a, she's a bitch or. But they don't say that about a man. They just say no. he's confident or cocky, but yeah. never that there's something wrong with it's looked at in a negative way. And I want to change that with must love mm-hmm. self because I want us all to say, no, speak up. We want to hear what you have to say. I say I wrote an article when I had my blog. My blog led to my podcast, but I yes. don't have the blog anymore. But I wrote an article and it was called Our Own Worst Enemies. And it was pretty much talking about how women are our own worst enemies. Like it's not it's not necessarily the men out here. Majority of the time it's us. Like 
we need each other as a village and as a tribe of us. I love that concept about rising tide lifts all boats and that there's enough, there's enough seashells for all of us. I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind going back. I heard your beautiful Latina accent. If you would tell us about your childhood, what it was like growing up as a woman and a girl learning about what women and girls should or shouldn't be like in your home. You know, what's funny is a lot of people, because of the way I am, a lot of people, I think, assume that I came from a very maybe non-traditional, because I'm Mexican-American, but I'm also like third third or fourth generation, depending on what side of the family you go on. So I'm not a, I'm not a first gen, so I didn't have a lot of what people will talk about, like, you know, first gen. But you have a perfect household. dialect. So that must mean that they spoke Spanish at home. No, I don't speak Spanish. But how do you have a perfect dialect? When you did, when you said Latina, it was perfect. Oh, there's certain words, but there's certain words I can't pronounce. I can't roll my R that well. <laughs> That's so funny. So you were not brought up around your family speaking Spanish. No. So there's a whole separate history for California Mexican-Americans. Back when my parents were like in their teens or whatever, and them growing up, for them to actually survive, they couldn't speak Spanish. So they grew up only knowing Spanish, but to survive, to blend in, to like not Assimilate. get on, to not get beat up, to get jobs. It was looked down upon to speak Spanish. So they didn't speak Spanish. So they still know it, but they didn't teach us because it was almost like, don't do it. Like we're going to get look frowned upon. So there's, and it's funny because people who are first gen don't really know that story. They just look at us like, you guys don't speak Spanish, but there's a whole hish. It's the Chicano movement. Like you can look it up. It's the Chicano movement that happened in like Southern California, but all of them, like they were part of that and they didn't speak it in order to survive. So we didn't get taught it. That's Um, so sad. I hate that so much. It is. But then at the same time, like I'm 34, like I could probably learn it myself if I wanted to. So maybe I'm just a little lazy about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's something really cool about going back to your roots, but my mother is first generation American and I'm second. Mm -hmm. And so she grew up because my grandparents are Holocaust survivors and she Mm -hmm. grew up only speaking Yiddish until she was in kindergarten. She didn't even know how to speak English at all. And she can't speak it now, but she understands it. Mm -hmm. Then we were not taught it. So they would speak around us but didn't teach us so we we never understood anything yeah they actually my aunts and uncles like some I mean my grandmas they would speak it around us but not to us on both sides of my family that's the crazy thing is it's not just like one it was on both when they dropped their cultural identity to fit in to survive did they also drop what it meant to be a woman from that culture so they assimilated more like American or is that like you're laughing (laughs) I was still, so that's the one thing that you can tell I was raised in a Mexican household being a girl. Very strict rules. Definitely couldn't go out and like date. Couldn't even have like guys call on the phone. What's behind that? You know, I don't, I'm sure there might be like a word for it or something, but I think what it has to do with more of the tradition of if you're a daughter, traditionally, you don't leave the house until you're married. Because it's like the dad, like saying like, okay, I no longer have to protect you. Now your husband can, your husband takes care of you. So it has to do kind of like with that whole thing. When I was younger, it was definitely like, or I would be like, well, why? Because I have an older brother. Like, well, why can he go? Right. We had double standards too. My brother was allowed to have a naked girl in his room. And I wasn't even allowed to have a boy in my room. My brother had his girlfriend sleep over. Oh, yeah, I, I remember a boy call. So, yeah. no, no. I remember walking in his room once and he had a girl without a shirt on while he was playing guitar. And I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? Why am I? What is happening? 
And that's the double standard that my family told me they were very comfortable letting me know your daughter, you're different. I want to know, though, do you think it had anything to do with what your family was afraid of that the society would see if you were out and about with a guy? Like, was there any of that? I think so. And I don't think it was necessarily like a I don't want to say like a straightforward type of thing. I think it was more definitely something subconsciously like beat into their head, like girls seen with guys are fast. Or yes. Yes. They're going to get pregnant and let in tradi- in my family. If you go back a couple of generations, yes. the women got pregnant around 15, 16, like, and I, that was always the biggest thing. My mom would always be like, if you get pregnant, I'm not kicking you out. Like, so did she instill some fear in me? Probably. I didn't get pregnant, right. <laughs> but, but I do think that might've that could have been something and that's funny I've never actually even thought about that like if that was the thing but yeah I could see that now looking back that it could have been more of like how is the world going to see my daughter if she's always out here in quote unquote the streets I think that's so interesting that's why I always like to go backward when you grew up what was your friend group like was it diverse I was fortunate enough enough to live in a city and go to schools that I will actually say it was a very even of like black brown and that's nice yeah you weren't Uh, token anything no I honestly I feel like the Hispanics might have been more than any of the other races out there especially in high school high school majority yeah it, it was like black and brown and then the Asian community as well and then there was like a maybe one fourth was the white community one thing I find that's really interesting and you'll probably find this as a sociologist too is as I talk to different women of different cultures and diversities, we have this different idea of our body image stuff from when we were younger. So I'm typically seeing white women who want to be as skinny as humanly possible because like this idea, because, you know, 20 years ago on covers of magazine was mostly only white, right. And really skinny. And then I've talked to black women who I've said, like, how come it seems like black women are more comfortable with their beautiful curves and don't walk around hating their bodies as much as I feel like white women do. And one woman told me that she felt in her culture that black men tend to love a woman with curves and a butt Mm. and thighs. I'm wondering if you had any sort of input from your culture of what you were told or was discussed about a woman's body. I never had my mom never I know there's some moms that would legit be like oh you're you're gaining weight you need to lose weight my mom was never like that you know thankfully and if ever I felt like I needed to lose a little bit of weight and I was like oh I'm not eating this she was always very supportive of like oh well want me to cook you something different or what are you eating like that for that was one thing that for a Mexican to learn how to not cook with yeah she was like you should see my Jewish grandmother dealing with all of us she's like I just can't I just don't even know what to make for you guys anymore that's my grandma nobody eats anything yes Yes. it's like what are you talking about just make some like potatoes (laughs) as far as like the body image I was never necessarily told like you need to look a specific way I was always there was always a thing of you know, you do need to watch your health though, not necessarily your weight. Cause let's face it. Somebody can be a hundred pounds and somebody can be 150 and the 150 might be healthier, like internally than the hundred pounder, depending on your nutrition and how your body works. Everybody burns things differently. But I was always told about like your weight, but we were also always put into athletics. Like I played soccer since I was young. And then I played tennis in high school. I was kind of able when I was younger, not anymore to eat whatever I wanted and maintain in the same body and it wasn't until 
your mid-20s sorry ladies I know everybody says this but once you hit those mid-20s and the 30s your metabolism is not the same (laughs) you got to do something if you're trying to maintain a certain look so yeah I didn't necessarily grow up with you need to look a certain way and in my family women range from little tiny stick figures to I I quote unquote I guess call myself a little bit of average because I'm not super skinny but I feel like I'm more the average size, I guess. But then we do have some, you know, thicker women as well, too. So nobody was ever told anything about their body, though. Like That's said, so was, refreshing. It is. Yeah, I guess it is. In a you way. have no um, idea. Like, I, I mean, I can't even tell you how many women I talk to. Their parents, specifically their moms, were constantly on them about what they ate and con- trying to control it because they didn't want them to be a certain size or look what it did to their inner voice. Mm-hmm. and how much work they had to do the more I look back on it it was a pretty healthy home and I've always known that and even in like the book that's coming out you know like I quote my parents I was raised like my dad did raise me to as you were talking earlier to survive if something happened to you if your partner passed away doesn't work out blah 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 blah, just not there at the moment and you need something done I can plaster a wall I can change my oil but that was more of his sense of in case you are alone and you need to survive this is how you survive I think that's progressive and amazing and that's one of the gifts that your family has from all the hardships that they had to go through to Mm -hmm. get to where they were is because my dad did not do that and I wish I would have had someone that showed me how to do so many more things because I've had to learn on my own a lot of the times. And I think that's actually a really healthy message to give a young girl Mm -hmm. that you need to know how to do your own stuff. Yeah. And, and it wasn't in any sense of you don't need a man or right. I I want you to be super independent. It wasn't really like that. It was just more, if you need to survive, this is what, this is how you can survive. But They've also, you know, my parents have been together ever since, well, before I was born, obviously, and still are. And I also seen an example of a very good partnership. My dad, yes, preached to me on how to survive independently, but I also viewed on how to be in a healthy, stable partnership as well. So I kind of got the both, both of it. Did you bring a quotation today? But I do have like my favorite little quote that yes, I like let's to hear by, it. And that is something that I've had to learn, obviously, but it's to trust the process. Oh, I always need to hear that. Thank you so much. Are you ready for lightning round? Okay. Okay. I want you to think <laughs> of one of your lowest points. Mm-hmm. You have it in your mind. Mm-hmm. What would you say to yourself then from the woman you are today? I would tell her that go ahead and cry it out because you need to cry it out because everybody's crying out from time to time. But then I would also tell her what that lady told me. The universe has something bigger planned for you. You can't see it right now. Cry it out, but get back up. And just write it out. Trust the process. It's coming to you. <laughs> I can't wait to, to watch it unfold. And I've got to tell you, as a woman who is divorced with three children, and no matter how hard I work to make that a good, healthy co-parenting relationship, it sucks being not with your kids all the time. It sucks knowing that that is like what your parents have. I can't give my kids, even though I have a healthy relationship today. And so even though you had all these beautiful plans, I'm telling you, if you ever plan on having kids, that is a blessing that that you're not with somebody who ended it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely see it now as I have a question for you. What Mm -hmm. would 80 year old Amanda say to you today? Oh, man, I feel like she would say 
all of the work that you're doing right now and everything you are building to keep doing it because it's going to take you where you want to go. She's smart. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be beautiful? To be happy and to love yourself. What does it mean to be a strong woman? To be confident, to trust yourself that you know you're making the right decision. What do you want others to say about you? Oh my God. (laughs) I was passionate and I did everything that I wanted to do. If you found out you only have six months left to live, what do you want to do with the rest of your time? Oh, I am traveling. Where are you going? Surprisingly, I have not been to Mexico to see the Aztec pyramids. So that is number one on my thing is to go there to connect back with my ancestry. And then what is that place in Greece? Sartini? I can't pronounce it, but like there's people go there all the time. There in Bali and Costa Rica. Those are some places on my list. You know, almost every single person I talk to says that they want to travel. And I'm like, what are we waiting for? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, crap. We can't go anywhere. (laughs) COVID. Last question. You get one piece of advice for every woman that's listening. What do you want to say to them? What do I want to say to them? My biggest thing is that it's never too late. I am a 34-year-old woman who is just starting on my journey. And like you said earlier, you're in your 40s and you feel like I'm just there of what I want to be when I grow up. So never be ashamed of your age or where you're at in life and do not compare yourself to others. Society puts these timelines that you should be married, have your career and all this stuff at a time, a specific time is different for everyone. Tell us your podcast so we can listen and subscribe. My podcast is called Brunch Talks with Mandy Rose because I have an obsession with brunch. It's available on most podcasts, brunchtalks.com, my website. Is that where everybody can find your book? Yeah. Will you tell us the title of it? It's called Boss Latinas Anthology. So it's a, it's a co-author book with the- Thank you for your time. Thank you. This was so awesome. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La 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 la